Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Ida Rodriguez, and welcome to another episode of Truth Serum. This episode is a special episode. It is our 30th episode on the 30th. So those of you who are lotto number people, players, there you go, two numbers for you, 30, 30. And ironically, 30 was the number of my ex-husband when he played football at Florida State and is the father of my guest <laughs> today. So 30 is the number of the day for us. He was number 30 at Florida State. And um, he blessed me with an amazing human being who I love to call my son. And his name is Omar Ellison. Hi, Omar. Hey. How are you, O? Good. After talking good. to you, it's good, you yeah, so this is going to be a very interesting conversation for me because I talk about you often. I reference you um, in terms of important to me when we talk about social issues and when I talk about my children and how my children's reality um, is different than my own because I am a Puerto Rican, Afro-Indigenous woman who claims her African and her Indigenous roots. Uh, always been proud of that. Grandma, great-grandma to you was a black lady who always told us that we were just black people who spoke Spanish. And then I had two children who are uh, black people who grandparents on the other side are descendants of the slaves of American slaves. And so there's a lot of dynamic um, involved in creating you and who you are. But I wanted to just start this conversation with you. Uh, first, I wanna introduce you to my audience. Um, and Omar is my, my firstborn, he is, the child that um, I had when I was very young, um, it was a very turbulent life for us because um, I was, of course, not ready to have a child. And he is one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. He's my Zion, as uh, Lauren Hill referenced her son. And so um, I wanted you to just tell people a little bit about yourself, Omar, my Ben Omar. Um. Well, hello, my name's Omar. Um, I'm a writer, director, uh, creative. Um, I like to think that I follow my mom's footsteps and, you know, I really appreciate and thought all the stuff work she was doing was cool as a creative. So I kind of led me down that same path as far as, you know, culturally how I feel to me, I never felt like I was behind in any kind of way in terms of my culture. I always thought that you, mom, uh, made it important for me to recognize me as a black person, so my black culture, but also to recognize my now called Latinx culture or my Puerto Rican and even to some extent uh, Dominican and at sometimes even Cuban, uh, you know, cultures and stuff like that from our family in Florida. So I'm one of the lucky people after talking to my very intelligent sister that never really had a culture clash in terms of identity. I always kind of felt like I knew, hey, I'm black and I'm also Puerto Rican and this is how I feel. So I thought that was, because it was my experience, I thought that was the typical experience. But as I've gotten older, I can see that, I don't wanna say it's atypical, but maybe it's not as typical as I initially thought. So um, I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, yet and still, my experience from yours and your sisters is very different. 
and um, those of us who are parents of children who are bicultural because um, you know we've always maintained this reality of, of respecting and supporting your blackness, your sister's blackness, your, your other side of the family who are from the South in Georgia and very rooted in us in Southern culture. And you guys have always been exposed to both of it because I, I've always thought it was important for your esteem to know where you come from and that you, you come from great people on both sides. Um, I wanted to ask you where you are now in terms of how things have changed and the way that we see the world now, and there is a, you know, there is an education now available to people on Black Latinos and um, an education on Blackness. The reality for you is that when you were 12 years old and you and Nathan were walking home from school, tell your story. Oh, well, when it comes to that story, I know it's an awkward story because I didn't really tell you the the truth of it at the time. So it was kind of weird for me to tell it now. But I mean, I distinctly remember it had to be a long time ago because we were eating at Quiznos and I don't even see those anymore. And we were, uh, it was like some deal going on. So we were able to get like two sandwiches for like $8 or something. So we went and we, it was four of us in total, you know, my friends, Calvin and Vadim. So we were really multicultural group. There was a Armenian Russian guy, a Pacific Islander Hawaiian guy, me, a black Latin guy. And then my other friend, uh, Calvin, who is a Latin Asian uh, biracial guy. So we had pretty much all the races you could get in one place. And uh, when we were walking home from the Quiznos, my friend was telling a joke that he had to stand on uh, the grass for that was on the side of uh, the sidewalk we were on. And it just happened to be in front of an apartment complex and uh, LAPD, they flipped the U-turn around and pulled out guns and drew them on us who were, I think 14, 15 at the time and told us to get on our knees and were asking us if we had a, burglarize any places in the area. We fit a description for people who had burglarized the area and they asked if we had tattoos and a bunch of stuff. And that was probably my first real example of, um, you know, the issues with the police that black Americans have Latin, Latin Americans have, uh, because the whole time I was pleading with them because I was privileged enough to have been, uh, in a private institution that was well known for its uh, basketball program that I was just pleading with the police officer the whole time. It's like, hey man, I go to private school. I go to private school. I play on a state championship basketball team. Like I promise, I promise, I promise. Like I was basically pleading my case that like, hey, I'm one of the good ones, you know? And that wasn't something that I was thinking about at the time. At the time I was just like not trying to get shot. But looking back, I was basically pleading with this white officer that, hey man, like, oh, I'm one of the good black people, you know? And, uh, Ultimately, I did get treated differently because of it. Uh, the cop put his gun away and started to listen to the words that I had to say. But my friend, who didn't have that same card that he could pull, he went to a different school. He uh, was still being harassed, and they had the gun pointed on him pretty much the whole time they were talking to us. And it felt weird to me because he wasn't black. He was a Pacific Islander. And it was just weird that that card that I pulled actually helped that, hey, I go to private school. And, you know, I play on a basketball team. That's really good. 
And I just, to this day, I just think about that and I'm like, wow, that's crazy, you know, but who knows, maybe that saved my life even. So I don't, but it's a very interesting topic. It's a very interesting story for sure. You know, and that's funny because you guys block out uh, the fact that when you were smaller and your sister was very young, we got pulled over on La Brea and a cop asked, tell the story. If she was strapped. And she was how old? She was like seven. And the cop asked my daughter. She said she was strapped because she thought that that meant, was she, um, did she have her seat note on? Yes. So they asked a seven-year-old black girl if she was strapped. So we, we've been dealing with this. Um, I come from, you know, my uncles who vary the spectrum, vary within the spectrum of blackness. And so when, um, you know, when I talk about these things and I'm so vocal and so ferocious and people don't really understand what, what my motivation is, they don't know that at, at home, you know, my precious cargo, my daughter and my son, the things that I love the most in the world um, have are are targeted. You guys are, you know, it is people don't realize what it is like. They don't know. And until you um, until you experience it and you see the vulnerability and even still, I don't know what it's like to walk around in your skin, you know, and I and I and I always wanted to honor that. Um, I wanted to talk to you about what's happening in the world today because uh, not a lot of things have changed, right? We sit down and we have these conversations. You um, you and I uh, talk about the state of the world. We've been talking about voting. We've been talking about politics. You have um, your own uh, social and political views. And now that you guys are older and are shaping your own worlds and sitting around uh, thinking about the world that you want to live in, tell me what it's like to see the world through your lens, because you and I had a conversation earlier on in the pandemic and your sister as well. And you said that it was affecting your psyche because um, it wasn't just COVID. You said they trying to get rid of black people. I definitely felt a couple of months ago, even. Um, I think it's interesting too. I, I mean, I don't know how many people are watching today, but I, I'm glad that we have this moment on your platform to basically demonstrate why you're so passionate about this issue and why you talk about so like just the fact that I exist, right? Like I'm a real person, right? Like make them put a face to the name when they see why you're upset about mistreatment of African American people it's not just because you know you're virtue signaling you're directly involved in this fight whether it directly affects you or not you are directly involved because people you care about people you love are affected by it so i'm glad that we can get that out of the way for anybody who needed that level of proof um but i just remember i recently did this thing it's like oh a month and a half ago now maybe where I just got off of all the social medias I had. Um, I got off of Instagram and I already hated Twitter and used it very little, but I also got off of that. I just felt um, that it was getting to the point where every day I would see some kind of uh, black eradication, some form or shape of it, whether it be 
political or policy or literally police gunning someone down. And um, my mom knows and she and I'll tell you, like, we don't always view or always have the same views. Me and my mom very rarely have the same view. We usually have similar goals, but we have different views on how to get there. And so I'm not the person who defends cops or anything like that. But I was kind of getting tired of seeing just things pinpointed. And I think I told you about this, mom, but I, I was really tired of seeing like uh, videos or clips with literally no context and people just dying. Like that was really getting frustrating to me. Um, and not because I need somebody to defend why a cop shot a person of color or a person of color to just get uh, shot by a police officer. Like I think police officers almost always use excessive force, but at the same time, just to be an informed human being, I would like to know the context of what the heck is going on. And I think I told you the story of, I watched this video that was on Facebook and it was like seven minutes long about these police officers who ended up uh, bashing this, this woman's head into her car and she started bleeding from her nose or something. And I just saw the video out of context and I was like, wow, this is just terrible. But then within the context of the video or within the context of what actually happened, even though I believe the force was excessive and the cops still went too far, I found out that she was like literally a drunk driver who had crashed into a couple of cars with her two small children in the back. And I'm like, this kind of stuff is, I feel like what's missing. Like just the fact that I feel like more people need all of the information. It's like, I still wanted all the information, even though I knew that the cop went too far and did too much to a person of color. And I know maybe that's a controversial stand, but anyway, back to your original point, it was just seeing stuff like that that was taking an emotional and psychiatric toll on me or just felt like every day I was seeing people who look like me die or get erased and some go to jail forever for things they weren't doing. Or you read a new story about somebody who was falsely imprisoned. And it got to the point where I was just like scared to go outside, scared to do anything because I felt like I was just next on the list. Like eventually they're going down the list of black folk. And at some point, my name got to be called. And that's how it felt. So uh, anyway, that's hard for me to hear because I I think you have, you know, I know who you are and I know that um, you have so much to live for and people don't know our journey and our struggle. And sometimes people believe that you've arrived because you have the opportunities to have some things in life. They don't know the struggles and the sacrifices that came with them and that we've never, you know, we've never, you've never been taught in your home that you're one of the special ones. You know, you've always been taught that we are village and when we win, we go back and go get ours. And um, and a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily subscribe to that thinking. They think I made it. Why can't you? And, you know, we've made a conscious effort to inform ourselves on, you know, respectability politics and why we don't we don't do that to our brothers and sisters. Um, I wanted to speak specifically to you being a young black man in America right now. Um, and you know, your, your stand on this election and what it means, because a lot of people feel hopeless and they feel that, um, that it is, uh, 
it is pointless that either way you're supporting evil and white supremacy in this country, that both political parties support um, the system which which has been in place uh, before the political parties were even established. But how do you, uh, what do you think about what's going on politically in this world and how do you see these things? Um, in terms of what's going on now, I don't really feel like it's really different. I think people deluded themselves into in an idea or a notion of what they believe the United States of America is. Um, this is where maybe people will start to see like where how different I am from you or how different I am from a regular voting crowd this time. I can understand when people feel like it's hopeless, but to a certain degree, I think if you look at politics, you usually have to get a moderate before things get better. Like you usually need to reach a moderate. It's very hard to go from one side to the other. And the last time I can really remember that happening is uh, I guess some people would consider when we went from Bush to Obama, that was a big swing. But if you look at Obama's presidency, Obama was realistically a moderate. So he didn't even go from far right to far left. Uh, we really just went from kind of right, who's Bush, because we found out there's a new right with Trump, to center with Obama. And I mean, with Biden, I don't like Biden. It's pretty easy for me to say that. Like, I just straight up, I always wanted Bernie to win the primary. I still think the DNC's uh, clutches were in Bernie because they have more power and they're in cahoots with, uh, you know, the ruling class and the people with money. So they don't want Bernie to win because he kind of burns down that establishment. He doesn't represent any of that stuff. And Biden does. I never thought Biden was an interesting choice. But at this point, they don't need an interesting choice. They just need somebody who can get um, the orange man out. Um, I think that a lot of people believe that the politics have made people more divisive. But I just, for some reason, don't understand why Americans uh, – identity is based on their political affiliation the identity politics argument people always make like my political beliefs don't impact the fact that i'm not a murderer or i think people should go to jail and they do bad things like i don't know why in america that makes you who you are and i think that with been exacerbated with social media, Facebook, for example, and stuff. And that is actually what's making people divisive because I think Trump is really just a tool that uh, people use to further distance themselves from each other. I don't actually know if, I mean, obviously he is divisive because of people's opinion on him, but I'm not a hundred percent certain that I would blame the divisiveness on him because once Obama came in, people started distancing themselves depending on their political allegiances and beliefs and stuff like that. And I just feel like it's just been getting worse over time. And I feel like Biden won't necessarily fix that issue either because the people who like Trump and vote for him, they just not going to disappear if he loses in this election. So, um, you know, I respect your opinion, but I, I disagree. I do think that Trump has added a layer of, something that we didn't see with Obama. Obama kind of brought out the ghosts from behind the closets, right? We we always knew the ghosts were there. Th 
those of us who identify as people of color, black people, brown people in this country have always felt it. Now white people are finally saying, oh man, this is not okay. But um, I do think that Donald Trump has um, signaled and sent out the calls to the white supremacist organizations. And I do think that he has do, called, you know, he's brought a level of chaos to this country that we just didn't have in the name of being not a politician, not of the establishment. He tricked people by this. He's a he's a businessman. He's going to turn this country into this whatever. And now what he did was came in, you know, he's just pimping the country, making money, him and his family making money off the country. Do you think that if I was president, I would do this to America with you and your sister and my family, what I would do to America, what Donald Trump has done, knowing who I am? No, but I wouldn't compare you to one of the worst known humans on earth currently. <laughs> okay, so that's what I'm saying. I just think that, um, and, and listen, Earl, you're entitled to your opinion and we all are entitled to the opinion. You know, I raise my kid to respect other people's opinions and so that we can have these dialogues. Sometimes I do uh, engage the comment section with the people who I know are are healthy within their, um, you know, healthy within their, their, their own opinions and we can have exchanges. Um, I think when you say burners need to let it go, I think a lot of people did let it go. I think the people who hate the burners need to let it go. Hey, I voted, I voted for Biden, man. So I let it go. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, you know, I, I do, I do agree with what you're saying though. I think Donald Trump is a symptom of the disease of white supremacy and racism in this country. And to put it all on him, it kind of excuses everybody else who's been complicit and responsible. That's like a problem there. I just feel like uh, they're kind of making it like, once Trump is gone, it'll be good. Like, nah. <laughs> I just nah. think, yeah, they, the people, they just needed a zeitgeist and that's him. And they could, you know, unite behind him. And I think, I, I didn't see the quote and I'm not trying to cut you off, but anyone who's talking about like Bernie supporters or whatever, um, for some reason, it just seems like uh, that Bernie, uh, people who support Bernie, for some reason, get like this unnatural disdain. And I never really understood why Bernie supporters get this level of disdain when Bernie is arguing for the well-being of the most of Americans. I never understood the disdain for him. Um, I have let it go. There's a there's a good amount of people who don't who who are now apathetic because Bernie didn't um, win. But, you know, I'm of the, I subscribe to the belief of the politics thing. It's like a bus. You take the bus that gets you closest to where you're trying to go. You're not maybe, you're, you're not always going to get the bus that takes you exactly to the Staples Center when you're trying to watch a game. Sometimes you're going to take the bus that's a couple of miles away and you got to walk the rest of the way. Um, so to Earl, I didn't want it to sound like I was some, uh, you know, disdained, apathetic Bernie supporter. I just am a Bernie supporter. I'm disappointed with how that turned out. And I don't necessarily feel that it was all the way a fair fight. But ultimately, I do still want the best for the people that we can do at the time. So yeah, I support Biden, even though I don't, I'm not enthusiastic about it. Yeah, somebody just posted that, um, 
he that we are biased and i'm like that is a, the problem in this country is that everybody's opinion is biased that's what an opinion is is mm -hmm. our personal views we don't the the, the problem when bias when problem when bias becomes a problem it's when it affects other people's lives right so if i was in office and i was biased then that would be an issue because I would be impacting the everyday li lives of other people. But bias is natural because we all have our own biases and we all have our own opinions. And that's the problem with, with us in this country that people demonize other people who see things differently than them, but everyone has different experiences. That being said, if your opinion and the way you see things is directly affecting the way that my survival and my humanity, then we got a problem. But if you hate black people or you hate Puerto Ricans or you hate women and you over there, you well within your right for me. I cannot spend my day and my life trying to change other people's opinions uh, to like Puerto Ricans or black people or women. And I think that's where we, we spend so much time on that that we don't get things done that really affect the, the everyday lives of our people. No shit that some white people hate us. No shit that some men hate us. No shit that some people are homophobic. We know this shit every day. We see it every day. What I wanna know is that that realtor that I'm dealing with or that person who's giving me a bank loan or that person who is in charge of my transcripts and me getting into a school doesn't employ those beliefs into what's happening with me. And so what I am not going to apologize for saying things the way, seeing things the way I see them. And I'm certainly not gonna teach my kid to do that. And yes, opinion is different than bias. We get it, Greg. But what I'm saying is when that person said bias, it was in the context of opinion and not what bias actually means. So Omar, back to the, um, back, we do this sometimes here. Biases, biases are only, only have a negative connotation in, uh, in a position of impartiality anyway. So I never really understood how a political view can hold no bias. I mean, that's quite literally impossible. The things you want to be not biased are judges, things that require impartiality, doctors, because stuff like that, that's why we hold those jobs and things to a certain degree or to a certain standard, because it's kind of important that these people are least biased as possible because no one's ever going to not be biased in terms of uh, whoever, you know, was disagreeing with the fact that or was upset that we are biased or I don't know how to answer that question. I'm sure that person is biased against the beliefs that I hold. I mean, there's just that's kind of a philosophy, a philosophy uh, argument, and I'm not sure you could ever really come to a definitive answer there. I think. Most people are biased in the United States, whether it's skewed one way or the other. Right. Um, and and that's you know, the beautiful thing, because because people think differently and have different opinions and we have exchanges with other people, that is how we learn. Right. Because you have a very different point of view about social issues, your generations and the generations that are coming after you 
um, are not apologetic about their socialism beliefs, right? You, you believe in a lot of things that are very different um, the, than my, my parents, right? You know, your step-grandfather grew up in Cuba. He's Cuban and communism makes him nervous. And they, and they, right. He voted for Obama, though, and he's voting for Joe Biden because I mean, he's our family. <laughs> well, also because some of the things that he has um, seen in as of late, um, he feels are more reminiscent of of communist Cuba than a democracy. Right. So also, I want to make before I leave today, before I get to how, you know, how I feel as a young person here, younger person. Um, I think that there's this like a uh, weird cognitive dissonance that's happening uh, when it comes to Donald Trump. Right. Like, uh, for example, I don't like Donald Trump. I can say that pretty easily. Um that somehow has perverted itself into like, I don't like Republicans or I don't like people who have conservative views or whatever that may be. I would like to say for the record here that there's a big difference between like John McCain and like Mitt Romney and Donald Trump. Like people who liked Mitt, I'd be like, you know, I don't agree with you, but like, hey, dude, you're a good dude. I, I know, you know, that you want good for people. Mitt just wanted good for people but he had a different way of going about it mccain he has some stuff i don't agree with a lot of things i didn't like but at the end of the day even when the old lady came for obama he was like look you need to calm down he's still an american citizen he has a family he's a good guy there's a giant bridge from those guys the regular republican uh primary guys and donald trump trump is in and of itself an entire new thing and so I don't have a problem with conservatives or Republicans. And a lot of them even know, the ones that I've discussed, that Donald Trump is a bridge too far. Yeah. So well, okay are my opinions as I hate conservatives blanketly because I know a good amount of conservatives who are just like, yo, Donald Trump is crazy. Like, can we just get McCain's back, Romney's back, Bush's back, even Bush's well, then there are some people who are um, believers that they're all evil because they're all white men who've been politicians and have it, it have all been complicit in the systems that hold black people and people of color down in this country. And, you know, there are people who have issues with if your conservative your conservative views um, it, uh, are rooted in my oppression. So when it comes to someone your age, um, how do we talk about those things? And there are a lot of black people in America who are disenchanted because, and, and brown people too, who are disenchanted because they felt like both political parties have been around forever and the conditions of people of color, black people in this country have not changed. How do we talk about that, Omar, realistically, and then deal with what what's happening right now, because there's not going to be a mass exodus. Like we're not packing up to go back to our respective countries and homeland. So what are we going to do? Well, this is my country and nobody can tell me otherwise. I was born here. I was raised here. I mean, this is where I'm from, whether you like it or not, <laughs> you know, like decisions your ancestors made led us to this place. 
where this is my country and we got to make it work, you know? Um, as far as, I feel like we have to get Orange Man out. Uh, I don't feel like we're having a lot of the conversations logically right now because of him being such a zeitgeist. Um, that's why I'm encouraging the moderate that Biden is, if we can really call him a moderate. Um, what do you really feel about him? I mean, I feel like he's really kind of to the right. I mean, he's like the most Republican Democrat I can think of for a long time. Um, I think that my personal beliefs are that our system has a bunch of what I would say earth, a lot of other progressive or uh, not progressive first world countries, recognized countries in the United Nations and such would consider almost all of our parties right. Uh, even Nancy Pelosi, if we took her to New Zealand, she would be a far right Republican. We basically just have two parties of super far right and kind of right. Like, I don't feel like we have a lot of very progressive um, candidates or ideas even. Um, like AOC ruffles so many feathers because she's finally like one of the first people who's on the left spectrum or to the progressive side. Um, so I think it's difficult to have the conversations because my generation, at least the people I interact with, let me not, let me not blanket my whole generation, but the way I feel and the people in my generation that I talk to and interact with, we just feel like it's one giant party. So no wonder we can't have good discussions about it because it doesn't feel like there's any uh, difference. It's like uh, a lot of the memes that I laugh about are like Republicans will say something like, we don't want black people. We don't want any black people in this area or we don't want them voting on this issue. And uh, Democrats are just saying the same thing. But it's like, hey, how about all the people we don't let vote on this issue? How about some of them are black and some of them are gay? It's like to me, they're just two sides of one is just trying to say they're okay with it, but in the dark, they don't, you know, help people of color. I mean, even Biden was calling people super predators. Like that's one of Trump's only good points against him, how he really would disenfranchise the black community when he, that was the same problem Hillary had. She was just a super predator and all that bill they passed to incarcerate people at a crazy high rate that were particularly black and stuff like that. I mean, I can't really jive with that, man. I can't ever say I support that and do I think Biden changed? Of course. Like, do I think he learned? Of course. People learn. I don't want to be part of the cancel culture. Nobody can grow. But at the same time, this is somebody who impacted people who look like me 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that I just can't forget. Like, sure, I can understand that he grow or grew, but I can't forget that this is the type of person that made these decisions. So it's very difficult for someone like me in this climate to exist because I don't feel like I have a voice. And back to that guy Earl's point, that's why Bernie supporters are very burned and very hurt because we felt like he was the closest we could be to being heard because Biden doesn't speak for us, man. He's like 80 years old, dude. And he so did- So where's Bernie though? Bernie ain't 20. <laughs> yeah, but when Bernie was 20, who was he marching with? What was he fighting for? He's never strayed from his path of helping the most people possible and people of color where Biden has strayed from that path. I mean, I get it. So, but you voted for Biden because you feel like it's necessary to get, um, have to. And I don't like the argument of like, don't vote. I feel like that's apathy. And 
I don't want to hear no complaints from apathetic people then. When stuff doesn't work or something happens, like instead of shut up and dribble, it should be like people who didn't vote, they shouldn't be able to shut up. I don't want to hear nothing from you ever if you don't vote. As apathetic as I am, as anti-enthusiastic I am for Biden, I still put my money where my mouth was and I voted because to me, that's how the system is designed to work. And that's the only way it's going to work. I don't want to hear for the after four years after this. I don't want to hear nobody who didn't vote, man. Straight up. Bernie supporter or whatever. Even if they agree with me, I don't want to talk to you if you didn't vote. So you, um, you uh, believe that voting actually matters. I mean, it's the only recourse we have. Even if it doesn't, it should help you emotionally because it's the only recourse you have. So we uh, we were talking about, um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to call names because I don't like to shit on family in front of the company. So I'm not going to demonize a bunch of black people who are operating out of their desire to help black people in this country. Everybody is trying to figure out how we should uh, what do we do to move us forward? But what I will say this, I wanted to say is that activism and politics have gone mainstream. The president of the United States sells merchandise. So you see a lot of people stepping out of their primary fields into politics because they can monetize it. Arena and I just talked about this. There are so many people who are now chiming in in the ninth inning on this election and sitting here having conversations, speaking on a whole group of people about a political, about different political agendas without consulting with the people who are very disconnected from the everyday people who are not in the upper tax bracket that have to go to work every day, going out, making decisions and speaking on behalf of all the people saying, I, I got it. I want to talk on behalf of all the brown people in America. I want to talk about on behalf of all the black people. This is what we need. But I'm in an upper, I'm in a tax bracket where I can't relate to, I haven't been able to relate to you going to work every day, the, the, how much it costs for you to live where you live, how much money you're making, what a decent human wage is. We, I don't know nothing about your health care because I've had the top health care for years. And now I'm speak, speak, stepping into the political realm, getting paid to speak at rallies and speak on behalf of a whole group of people and making money doing it. How do you feel about that? Because you always talk about this toxic capitalism in this country. And uh, you see what's happening right now where shit, even Lil Wayne jumped in uh, yesterday. The Lil Wayne thing is like, to me, hilarious. Um, I'm a big proponent to a lot of my progressive friends disdain. I'm a big proponent of, I like to separate art from the artists. Uh, my mom knows I, I fight with my little sister about this all the time. Like to me, I feel like you miss out on a lot of great art that was produced. If you start thinking about the kind of person they were and all this stuff, like it's easy personally for me to be like, you know what? I don't like this guy, but he still made some good songs, you know? Like, so, but the little Wayne thing, I just think it's, it's funny, man. I mean, you always taught me just consider the source, man. I mean, Lil Wayne been rich since he was 14, 15 years old. He's been rich. I mean, he can't relate not only to the black community, but about to like 80% of the United States of America. 
how many, even the rich folks, how many of them been rich since they was 15 years old? Even Bezos wasn't rich until much later in his life. Like he been disconnected. He was disconnected from being a teenager. I mean, it's the same issue, you know, Michael Jackson had or even uh, Justin Bieber had. It's like they've been rich. Usher, they've been rich forever. So they're not necessarily going to know, just like you said, exactly what it takes on a day to day basis to get to the next day. Um, the Lil Wayne thing, I just think is just funny. It's just super funny. He's been disconnected from a lot of Americans, not even just blacks, not even just poor people. He'd been disconnected since he was 15 years old. He'd been rich and taken care of by Birdman and the whole camp, private jets here. Uh, yeah, yeah, Leah, I, I, I said your exact point, uh, Biden and Bernie are totally different throughout their whole legacies. Um, but anytime like a rapper, me and my friend Aaron were laughing about this the other day. It's like anytime a rapper stands for the black community, I don't know how, I don't even know black people that get upset about it personally anymore. Cause it's like ice cube don't speak for the black community, man. 50 cent don't speak for the black community, man. They're really rich guys who, you know, hit the lottery. Um, and to be honest, it's it's getting harder and harder for me as somebody who likes rap, and I hope this isn't too incendiary, but it's getting harder and harder for me to look out into the crowds of rap concerts and see black people. So, I mean, their fan base ain't even the people necessarily that, you know, are paying to see these people. Like, Lil Wayne was really hot in 2010. It's 2020, man. And Lil Wayne's best contribution to the rap game currently is another rapper. It's Drake. So, I mean, Ooh, oh, you said you, you I mean, they don't speak for these people, man. Drake is from Canada and Drake speaks up on these black issues. He relates better to us. He wasn't rich when he was 15. He was on that show Degrassi making 50K a year talking about how it was a struggle for him. So, I mean, even how unrelatable Drake feels, he relates more closer to people than Little Wayne could. And I mean, and I say all of this, my mom will back me up, knowing almost all Lil Wayne songs and I love his music. I just, I could just separate the two. But I mean, that being said, nobody speaks for the whole everybody. I can't hold Tucker Carlson responsible for all the white folk either, because I know a lot of cool white people who are nothing like that. It's just, it's just the same thing. I just don't know why rappers and athletes Actually, I do know why, you know, it's fundamental institutionalized racism, but it's like LeBron don't speak for me, dude. LeBron and me have much different points of view. LeBron has been a superstar, famous in his hometown, famous almost nationwide and then worldwide since that boy was 17 years old. I, me and him have very little in common aside from our skin color. And that's easy for me to say. And for some people that's difficult, you know, I, I will relate, honest to God, I relate to the white guy who works at Whole Foods as a grocery store clerk closer than I do LeBron, even though we the same skin color. There's a lot of things that we do suffer as black people, but the class structure in the United States is so nasty and works in such a terrible way that these guys, they just get lost, man. And that's why you got to respect guys like J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, who just don't get lost. They remember where they came from. They remember who their fan base is or the people, not maybe, maybe their fan base grew 
like J. Cole's fan base has definitely grown, but he still remembers the people who got him to the place where he was before he could grow. And I'll always respect people like that who never really forget the roots of the black people, the Latin people, the Asian people who built them up, man. And I just think that's awesome. I love guys like that. And even though, you know, and, and this goes both ways. I'm not the guy who's like, yeah, uh, what 50 Cent matters, what 50 Cent says doesn't matter, but what J. Cole does say matters because I agree with him. To me, they're both rappers. You know, they both live different experiences from me. I'd much rather listen to the guy who grew up in the same neighborhood I'm from who running for city council. I want to hear what that guy has to say more than even J. Cole, even if I like him and what he and he agree and he aligns with my beliefs. Um, I respect that. I think it's important to listen to your generation and the Gen Zers and really uh, listen to what you're saying because you know you you people you people. So so funny. You got the, you're the ones that are out there leading the marches and saying this is not okay. And um, I'm with you about that. You know, it's very important to me as an artist, as a stand-up comedian that I don't forget where I come from. You know, that's very important to me. I always look to, to my village. When I uh, when I have an opportunity, it's like, who am I taking with me? This, I, this cannot be in vain. You know, that's part of the our model as a family, as a business, and what we do as a family business. Um, and I also respect, I think Ice Cube's desire, and, and I hear his pain when he speaks. Oh, I love Cube, 100%. I know that was your favorite rapper. I was going to say that was your favorite rapper. I just don't think he speaks for everybody. But yeah, I like what he's trying to do. Yeah, because I mean, as a Puerto Rican woman, I'm not salty at any of the black people in this country who are working towards making the conditions of black people better. It inspires me to want to work to do the same. And at some point, inter intersect so that we can work for because there are a lot of black people who are Latinos. But I also respect and understand the unique experience of Black people in America who are the descendants of the slaves of America, where our journey is different. And, you know, I, I, I believe in reparations for all the, the children of all slaves. And I believe everybody should pay up. I believe the Dutch owe some people, the Spanish, the French, the UK. Like, I believe that it's not just America who owes people reparations. Because you owe a lot. Yeah, the slaves yeah. built the colonial empire. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we talked about that. And so I wanted to interview you uh, for several reasons, because a lot of people don't know my personal life. I share a lot of things about myself through my stand-up, but my life, my personal, personal life is very, very um, off. You know, I don't really talk about my, you know, my relationship. I don't talk about my children. I, I try to keep that my mama. I keep all that family. I'm not posting about my family like that because I do believe that some things do belong to you. Um, I also wanted to ask you, how does it feel walking about uh, being the son of Ida Rodriguez and how that's impacted your life? Um, because a lot of people don't really know our journey. They people, Somebody was put a comment like, dang, you've been through everything in life. Um, what didn't happen to you? And I was like, uh, a lot of things didn't happen to me and a lot of people had it worse than me and we never operated as victims. Um, so I wanted to ask you what it feels like to be 
my son and and to see some of the things that you see you are like mom stay off the youtube comments mom i don't oh, want you reading yeah, man i'm so surprised you interact with the people on here you know and no offense to the people who comment and contribute um i just think that you know people just act different when, when there's no consequences that the internet provides and you can just say whatever nonsense comes to your mind um but i mean for me seeing our growth and i think that's so funny that comment that person said because honestly i kind of agree and while i was living it i really agreed with you then like how much more stuff can we actually go through <laughs> but uh, i promise you man it's true and and if and uh i would tell you guys right here in this super secret exclusive interview if my mom was lying but her stand-ups are real man like majority of the stuff that she's telling you about her personal life that's true man we were homeless we you know, she asked us the other day, uh, did me and my sister ever really feel poor? And me and my sister both with her answered with a resounding yes. And she was actually surprised. So, I mean, you have to also think the dynamic of family, right? It's like, just like how you lived your life, your mom will probably say something to you or your dad will be like, you didn't have it that bad. You know, that's just the nature of families. So, you know, they had it maybe worse or they were maybe poorer. So their scale is different. Um, so I just think it's great to see, you know, what you, how you become. I, I think it's real funny here. People who didn't know you, it's, it's honestly shocking to me because I distinctly remember a different version of you. Like when I was a child and you used to be, it's just a super religious Bible beater. And I mean, it was to the point guys who's in here watching this, like I couldn't watch Pokemon because Pokemon was representative of the devil. Like, I don't <laughs> think you guys understand the growth that this woman has had. And it's inspired me to, it's also a big part of like why I'm not a big proponent of uh, cancel culture and stuff. Because like if my mom would have got canceled, you know, for stuff she did when she was 20 years old, I mean, we'd never have the talent we have now and the, the person who we have now who's lovely and makes people laugh and helps them get through a hard time or whatever, because she never would have grown and she never would have realized that Pokemon is just Japanese cartoons that has nothing to do with the devil. And, you know, I mean... So to see your growth into this person that you are, you've always been politically charged though. That ever since I can remember, you've always wanted to fight for what's right and what you believe in. But it's just crazy to me to see how coming from Florida and the part you were in and the stuff that you dealt with, the violence, the gangs, uh, you know, the drug problem Miami has, still kind of has, to see where you are today, it's just the beauty of human beings and how they can grow if fostered and treated with respect and fairly. And, you know, I'm proud of you. I love you. I mean, I think it's awesome. And all the stuff that you've done and achieved, you know, it inspires me and I'm sure it inspires others. And I've seen, I've seen that effect and I'm lucky to have seen that during my life, seeing how you've affected other young women, other young Latin ex women, other young black people. Uh, like we, I literally saw when we were in upstate New York and those girls brought you out there for that ball. And I just, I just think that's a real lucky thing to see in their life is to see how somebody you love who impacted you so much did actually impact other people's lives. And honestly, you're probably the only reason that I'm still compassionate because I struggled with that for a long time <laughs> and having compassion and empathy for others. And you are always like, hey, man, you got to think about other people. You got to think about how they feel. So I'm grateful for that. I appreciate that. And um, I, I wouldn't be me if I couldn't give it back to you. And I will say that, you know, I'm everything I am because you and your sister love me and you know that. And um, it's it, 
you are, you know, people say to me sometimes, um, you did such a great job with your kids and they're such good people. And I will honestly have to say that you guys have so much to do with it. I feel that I was blessed to have two human beings that came into this world that decided that they wanted to, um, that they wanted to embrace a purpose and that they wanted to go out. And, and I didn't do this show so that I could just flex and show people, you know, I got a black son or look at my kid or my kid is well-spoken. Nah. I just think that it's important for people to see what's behind what you see. Cause a lot of people come from me sometimes and they don't know, um, you know, they don't know the journey and they don't know the evolution. And it's very easy to point your fingers and talk about people where you are right now. And you don't know when that's going to happen to you. And, you know, I told you a couple of months ago, I was under fire by some people. My own people were coming for me. And one of those people that engaged in that maliciousness ended up getting it back from another set of Latin people. And I told you, I yeah, I never want to participate in that because I feel like, um, you know, what, what are we going to, how are we going to move forward? If you are, that that's the thing about me. What is your mission? And you can say whatever you want on CNN. You could talk about Donald Trump. You can meet at the White House. What's your plan? What exactly do you do? What are you doing to make the condition of our people better in this country? Because if not, it's just rhetoric and it's just hustle and it's just game. And so- I wanted you to use, I want you to, to uh, take over right now. And I wanted you to ask me some questions if you if you had any that maybe the people will want to know because um, I know how you think. So, uh, you know. That's a fair thing to ask me. You know, I don't like people knowing about you. I know. <laughs> I, like, I like to keep, I like the, I like the celebrities that was in the 70s and the 80s, the rock stars. You know, you didn't really know about them until you read in the magazines. Um, I mean, yeah, I'll ask you, I mean, as somebody who, me and you have had a bunch of disagreements about, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. I, I want to hear how you sound with the spotlight on you. How do you feel currently? Cause I know I have my own thoughts about it, about like a vaccine. Like how would you feel about them producing the vaccine they're trying to produce? How confident are you? Would you be in disseminating it to the people? and uh, taking it yourself and opinions you have on the COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> you already know. If they come up with a vaccine, I'm gonna say y'all first. I, after every single member of Senate and Congress take that vaccine, after every single member of, of the top 1% takes that vaccine, then y'all give it to us. But we will not be the guinea pigs you will not be the guinea pigs. Nobody that I that I associate with will be the guinea pigs. And I think that it is very important to pay attention because they they have, you know, they have these, um, you know, these experimental medications that they've been using that we only hear about them afterwards. Right. Because we don't have access to them. Like whatever so, that fixed him. Yeah. If he really had COVID. Right. Because yeah. true. The, the, I want to see all of them first, <laughs> and then y'all can uh, trickle that trickle that down to us after y'all do them. I like that opinion. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, also, something I wanted to say too before we got out of here was: uh, any conservative people, right-leaning people watching this, I just want 
And I want any super left people to like, cause I'm a super left. I don't, I'm not a left. I'm a super progressive person. I argue for more social benefits as well. I think our healthcare system is a sham and a joke and it's just unfair for a majority of Americans. I just want people like that to understand that people on the other side of your arguments, they grew up in different environments. Their family is different. It's a lot of things that are different. Like the, the, if you can acknowledge and understand those differences, then you'll have an easier time making a bridge for one another. I don't hate conservatives. I don't hate Republicans. I never have. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like what he's done to a racist uh, group of Americans who now feel they have a loud voice in the country. But I understand. I lived in Arizona and I met people who hunted and had guns and were conservative there and they weren't bad people. I didn't agree with some of their policy and things that they did, but I didn't feel that they were particularly racist and I didn't feel like they were particularly bad people. I don't like the state of Arizona, but that's a whole different problem in itself. But I think if we can just start acknowledging that now, then 10 years from now, then people will be able to finally have conversations from different sides of the aisle and have like actual meaningful conversations. How do you feel about that issue, mom? And do you feel like maybe I'm being too passive or maybe I'm being too nice or? Well, I think that uh, the reason why you said it earlier, you said you was, you was coming from Quiznos with a half, a half Salvadorian and half, um, Calvin's father is from what? Uh, he's Korean. Thailand. Thailand. He's Thai, Thai. Thai. Half Thai. You an Armenian, Russian, and a Polynesian kid, right? You guys, we we make jokes about your generation and the generation behind. Y'all all look like Pharrell in them. You know, the Neptunes. Y'all walk around as you know. You saw the kids marching. They were black. They were white. They were Asian. They were together. You have um, this. Um, you have a you. You guys are open to listening to others because you're exposed. You know, it's like your generation is like growing up in New York, where you get on the train and there are Puerto Ricans and Dominicans and Haitians and Africans and everybody has to be around each other. And I think that um, that is why you are so open to having conversations. I think um, a lot of the GOP views are rooted in oppression. And so if you support a lot of those views, I can't rock with you. If you have a problem with me having uh, agency over my body, if you if you support uh, policies that keep black people in prison, the school to prison pipeline, if you have policies that you why are we worried about so many people's business? Like, why do you why do you care about gay people when we got so many homeless people on the planet? Why are you in a, a gay person's bedroom or telling a trans person they don't have a right to live? I don't. And, and listen, some people tell me that these are white people's beliefs. So I've been polluted because they're trying to destroy the uh, the black race. They've been trying to destroy the black race and the and brown people for centuries, and yeah. they have been unsuccessful, right? Because melanin is divine. So why are we worried about the wrong things? Why are we not worried about making the conditions of this country better? So though I respect people who have more conservative views, if you don't believe in abortion, don't have one. 
But don't go around telling other people what they need to be doing with their own bodies and their own situations. When you're sitting up in a fat crib and living in a place where your kid goes to the best schools and you have the best health care, and now you are employing policies that are going to make Black women more vulnerable to our judicial system based on abortion, because that's just one more way to oppress them. So when it comes to you being a conservative, you have a right to be a conservative. But if you being a conservative and your views are rooted in my oppression, then I have a problem with you. And that's where where my my compassion has to go out the window. Because I have to think about you, I have to pray over you, meditate over you, put hands on you, do all of the things, all of the above from the spiritual realm and, and think about your you, you daily as you walk out the door because I feel like you are a target. And I feel that way about your sister, right? We see this with Breonna Taylor. We see this with Sandra Bland. So that's where I stand with this. But do I respect other people who have different views than me? Of course. But if you if you don't believe in science and science is science, then I can't respect that because you're talking about foolishness, right? Yeah, that's a non that's a non-starter. And I guess I should clarify that when I have that opinion, I feel personally a lot of the people who currently are voting for these people, I just feel like they're ignorant to those things. Like so that's maybe why I have a, a general a general amount more compassion than other progressives I know who are just like yeah I just want them all to die. I just feel like the guy the steel worker in Wisconsin doesn't know that this guy is putting in uh you know policies that are gonna send people to jail and stuff like that. What did you just see? Is everything all right? No, we got to go. Um, I have a family emergency, so I hate to cut this short. But Omar, thank you so much for being here. I love you so much. You. And I'm actually going to call you right now because we got some family business. I want to say thank you to all of you who support. And this is my son and my son, my S-U-N and my S-O-N. And I wake up every day for them. So I hope that this sheds some light on where some of my passion comes from. And Omar, you have a um a film coming out tomorrow it's uh, it'll be on youtube it's called uh, invasion it's only five minutes everybody in here wants to check it out it's a spooky time there's no politics in it it's just a fun time i'm gonna post it all right thank you so much i love you and have a beautiful day you guys